I once heard a smart person make this random remark, and it's stuck with me ever since. He observed that all of our institutions are doing work they weren't designed to do. Prisons are mental hospitals, and schools are social service agencies. Of course, schools have always been more than just schools in American culture. They're community gathering and recreation centers, a source of pride and identity, and a lot more than just places to learn reading, social studies, math, and science, which maybe explains why the feelings about Benton Harbor are running so high. The state has a plan to deal with the district's financial and academic problems, both of which are considerable, and the solution is widely unpopular. We'll talk about this during the next few minutes. This is Facts Matter, the Citizens Research Council of Michigan podcast. I'm Nancy Derringer, Communications Director for the Research Council, and in this podcast, we look at Michigan through a policy lens. Our discussions here are informed by our 103 years of experience doing nonpartisan, fact-based research on policy issues. We hope this podcast will serve as another way for the public to access our work, which is, as always, free and available to all at our website, crcmich.org. Okay, so joining me via Skype from Lansing is Craig Thiel, our researcher who is based in the Capitol and probably knows more about school finance than anyone outside of the government itself. Um, let's, uh, Craig, let's take a look at the fix that Benton Harbor Area Schools finds itself in. Um, can we start with just a brief overview of what has gone wrong there? Right, so there's two problems, and they're critical problems. The academics have been flagging for years in the district, um, both in terms of their comparison to uh, neighboring districts, but also statewide averages. If you look at test scores, um, you're finding, uh, you know, single percent of uh, third graders are reading at grade level. You're finding um, very few graduates uh, leaving the high school prepared for college or career. Um, and this is not a problem that just developed overnight. It's been years uh, uh, in in the making uh, there in Benton Harbor. And then on the financial side, um, the district has been uh, challenged uh, with uh, running deficits, um, uh, year over year, uh, 13 years in a row, I think. Uh, they've spent more money than they've brought in, um, so they haven't been able to balance their budget. Uh, some of that is due uh, in in part to um, schools of choice and kids and families fleeing the district because of the first problem, the academics. Um, and as we know, uh, when the kids leave, the dollars follow. And so the district just hasn't been able to catch its breath and right size its budget. Um, it's down in terms of enrollment, uh, about 25% in the last uh, 10 years. And over a much longer period, it's down um, uh, over 100%. Uh, in other words, uh, it's more than half. So uh, the, the district is dealing with two major problems, the academics and the finances. Right. And as you point out, um, that sets up a vicious cycle because when the students, um, when parents and students uh, leave the district, then that reduces the funding, which 
um, you know, means more problems and it just, it, it's a, it becomes a death spiral at some point. Um, so what is Governor Whitmer's uh, solution to this? Well, we got a plan in late May uh, that proposed to close the high school, um, the one high school in Benton Harbor that educates about 600 kids. Um, The plan would be uh, beginning in the fall of 2020, so not this next fall, uh, but the next school year. Um, The 9th, 10th, and 11th graders would be... um, offered opportunity to enroll in neighboring school districts, I think eight different districts, uh, including a charter school, and then the community college there would offer um, some uh, uh, career tech education. So students would enroll in those schools um, in Benton Harbor uh, with the help of the state would uh, get the kids to those schools through some transportation services. Um, And then the district would be left as a K-8 district um, for the time being. The uh, prospect of reopening the high school in the future, if the K-8 program uh, excelled, uh, was mentioned in the governor's plan. Um, so that's the, the primary academic solution. Um, then there's a mention that this would help with the finances and that the state would likely step in to help uh, pay down uh, the debts that have been incurred uh, over the years for the district. Hmm. Um, and <laughs> wow, I mean, that, uh, that's, that's pretty drastic. I mean, getting, you know, essentially closing the high school, sending everybody sort of you know, scat in a in kind of a exploding bomb pattern to uh, surrounding uh, districts. It kind of it kind of underlines uh, why people are so upset about this. I mean, I wouldn't say that that the parents of children attending these schools don't care about test scores, but um, they certainly don't want to lose their schools over it. No, exactly. I mean, the uproar was immediate and voracious in terms of the community pushing back on this plan. Um, Very uh, much a top-down, heavy-handed plan, in their opinion, uh, being told, you're going to lose your high school, and then we are going to ship your kids out to uh, neighboring districts um, with very little input from the local community. Um, Yeah, and you're right. Uh, Schools are more than bricks and mortar. They are places to congregate, to have potlucks, to have uh, parent-teacher community meetings. Sports obviously take place on, in the high school, and sports are a big part of you know what we as Americans and uh, young kids engage in. Um, you know, and you know, with the program uh, in Benton Harbor, where over ninety percent uh, of the student body qualify for free and reduced lunch. Um, Schools are also serving a, a major nutritional uh, component in their lives, uh, getting uh, breakfast, uh, lunch um, there. I imagine there's programming in the summer to address some of the social needs in the community. So um, closing the high school isn't just closing um, you know, the educational uh, opportunities for those kids, but uh, much larger community uh, services as well as uh, you know, nutritional services that are offered in schools. Right. And hasn't there been a, um, an additional threat also that if, um, the district itself can't agree to, um, close the, the high schools that they actually may 
dissolve the entire district? Yeah, so that's a threat that I think has been uh, kind of uh, put out there if if you don't agree with this state plan, and this was you know again going back to uh, late in May, um, the the governor said, uh, you know this is our plan. We think it's the the best uh, viable option available, you know, and take it or the potential for dissolving the entire district, uh, which would mean. Benton Harbor uh, K-8, as well as the high school, would be would be shut down and kids left to uh, go to other districts um, in neighboring uh, communities. Um, so everything from kindergartners to 12th graders would be uh, enrolled in uh, nearby school districts. Um, this is something we have experience with um, uh, well, we'll six get to years that. ago. We'll get to that in a second. I mean, what does it actually take? to dissolve an entire school district. I mean that that cannot be an easy an easy task. Well, we have a state law that allows the process to be initiated by the state superintendent and the state treasurer. Um, there's a number of criteria that have to be met uh, in, in state law, uh, having to do with the finances as well as enrollment, um, uh, recent enrollment trends. Um, the the motivation for the dissolving a school district is almost entirely financial and not academic. So there's no academic measures uh, that would trigger a dissolution. They're all financial. Um, but as and, you point out, uh, you know they've got both. <laughs> so but they they have both exactly, and it's not uncommon when we look at school districts across the state that have been in financial troubles that the academic troubles are right there and sure. at at the top of the heap. Yeah, exactly. Because if the, if the school was achieving, uh, academically, it would be attracting students would be, which would be bringing in more money and so forth. So, yeah. So, um, but this has been used in the past. Um, can we talk a little bit about, uh, the times in fairly recent years when this state has stepped in and actually dissolved an entire district? Right. So the, the law that was in existence, uh, before 2013 about dissolving a school district was basically if you didn't have enough people who could serve on the school board, couldn't recruit people to serve on the school board, the law said you have to dissolve your school district. Um, And that had been in statute for decades. Um, In the spring of 2013, um, there was a number of school districts in the state, a handful, I should say, that were in real financial trouble, including Benton Harbor, um, but also Pontiac um, and in Oakland County, then Buena Vista in Saginaw County, and then Inkster and Wayne. And the state lawmakers were faced with what to do about these financially failing school districts. They had had deficits for years. The deficits were growing. Um, and kind of in a uh, uh, active legislative uh, expediency, the, the proposal was to draft a law to allow uh, state officials to step in and dissolve a, a school district if it met these specific financial criteria. The law was written very specifically at the time to exclude um, uh, districts the size of Benton Harbor and Pontiac and written so it would apply very narrowly to uh, smaller districts um, and that 
captured this Buena Vista case and Inkster. And so the law was passed in uh, late spring of 2013. In the summer of 2013, the treasurer and the superintendent did their uh, review of the finances of those districts. And by the fall of um, 20. 13 for the 2013-14 school year, Buena Vista and Inkster school districts were no more in terms of educating students. The students were assigned to neighboring districts uh, um, based on where they lived, and uh, they Hmm. went and got their education at those schools. Hmm. And how did that turn out for those students? Do we know? Well, we don't. the, the, again, this was a plan that was born out of legislative expediency. Um, there wasn't any uh, follow-up follow-up uh, plan to evaluate and track those students. Um, so we really don't know how they did. We do know that the school districts that they were assigned to, neighboring Buena Vista and Inkster, weren't that much better academically or uh, financially. Um, a couple of them were, I think, uh, in uh, Buena Vista's case, um, you know, Frank and Muth, uh, school district took on some of the kids and that district was, uh, in decent financial shape as well as, uh, better academically as, in terms of test scores, but, uh, Saginaw and, uh, Bridgeport Spalding were neighboring districts that were both, uh, in financial troubles and not academically superior to, um, Buena Vista, down in Inkster, uh, same scenario. The the options that uh, were available to these kids weren't necessarily any better. So, um, you know, we don't know uh, specifically if the kids performed better, uh, but we do know that the districts they went to weren't materially uh, different than what they had left. Hmm. Interesting. Well, this is a heck of a uh, problem to um, inherit as a as a chief executive, <laughs> you know, this early in your term. Because as you point out, this is a problem that has been years in the making, and uh, you know, and I guess the the now it's the it's Governor Whitmer's uh, problem to solve. So we'll see what happens. Yes, exactly. And, you know, uh, Governor Snyder uh, was dealing with this. And during his tenure, um, the uh, district was under the emergency manager law. Uh, They took that out of the emergency manager law in November before he left office. Um, uh, The press release read that, you know, the financial challenges of Benton Harbor uh, are no more. And uh, you know, you can read into that what you want, uh, but we do know that the district uh, hasn't solved its financial problems, um, and Governor Whitmer has inherited this problem that's uh, years in the making. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, where does it stand now? Um, we're talking on uh, Tuesday, June 18th. Um, what is the status of, of the situation? The governor's plan uh, was sent to the local school board there to approve or offer an alternative. Uh, The governor asked for a uh, response by last Friday, and the school board responded saying, we don't accept the plan. We're not closing your school. Here's our alternative, which uh, doesn't involve school closure. It involves the the state working with the district. through both the Department of Treasury and the Department of Education. Um, It asks for additional supports um, academically and financially. Um, 
the details of that plan aren't uh, very well spelled out, at least publicly. So we don't know um, specifically what they're asking for. Um, so uh, the governor, I think, and her team are are weighing this to see, you know, if they can accept the alternative plan or to come up with a compromise plan um, going forward. Hmm. Okay. Well, as as we so often say, more will be revealed. So. Thank you, Craig. Um, this has been interesting. It's uh, it's certainly a uh, a true dilemma, though, for for the uh, the local boards in in Benton Harbor. I mean, there's just no easy way out of this one. So, thanks so much, and uh, we'll talk next time. Goodbye. And that will do it for this edition of Facts Matter, the Citizens Research Council of Michigan podcast. Remember, the Council operates as a public resource, and all of our papers, along with blogs, op-eds, and other resources, are available for download on our website, crcmich.org. We operate as a nonprofit, thanks to Michigan's corporations, foundations, and generous individuals like you. If you'd like to make a donation, go to our website, crcmich.org, and click on the contribution button on the homepage. We also welcome feedback, which you can send via email to crcmish at crcmish.org. I'm Nancy Derringer, and until next time, I leave you with this observation by our founding president, Lent Upson. The right to criticize government is also an obligation to know what you're talking about. 